and welcome to the latest episode of the Online Warriors podcast. Very exciting to be here. Of course, back at full strength plus one, we have our good friend, Mr. Ben Shackness, on as a guest today. Ben, welcome to you and welcome back. And uh, say hello to the folks back at home or anywhere, really. Yes. Hello. And there's there's my guest host right there. You're right. He's coming in loud and clear. He wants to, yep. to get a word in edgewise. Mango wants to participate in the show today. So, Well, we're happy to have you. We're happy to have him. And uh, we have a, a great show lined up. Of course, I'm Illegal86. We have Nerd Bomber and Tectic waiting here in the wings as well. Hello, hello, everybody. Who we should also be happy for. Come on, guys. I've, I, I mean, I'm look, thrilled to be here. Thrilled to have all of you here. Not Not just Ben, but especially Ben. And we are going to talk primarily about gaming today, taking a step into the gaming world. We, of course, had State of Play this week, which was a big deal. A lot of trailer drops, gameplay footage from that. This big Pokemon announcement that came on Friday that was associated with the 25th anniversary of the franchise. And then we also have to talk about this news coming out about Dragon Age and Bioware and some changes to Bioware's direction in terms of their development. So we can dive right in. In particular, I want to start with State of Play because this was pretty jam-packed and and we can we can go through a lot of the games if not all of the games that were showcased a lot of them we've certainly seen before Deathloop, Returnal but we did get some new ones as well and I I will say before we get into the nuts and bolts and the nitty-gritty overall I was look State of Play is really a disappointment this was a resounding success to me and and I want to characterize that a little bit better in the sense that there were certain trailers that I went to watch I didn't watch the event live I watched after the fact and I immediately thought, just from an aesthetic standpoint, seeing certain games, I was like, I'm not going to be into this game, or this game is not for me, so to speak. The mark of a good slate is that those games pushed through that barrier for me. So, for example, Sifu. And oh, we don't necessarily have to talk yes. about that one first. We do. But I saw that game, in the opening moment of that trailer, I thought, this is not for me. I don't care. It made me care in the sense of what it was doing knockout city same situation the one i want to mention the most though was i don't know how it's pronounced so i'm going to try my best is it kena bridge of spirits or kena bridge of spirits that was one where i immediately thought i don't care and then the trick i'm sorry nerd bomber <laughs> i had a feeling you were going to care particularly about this one i was blown away by even uh solar ash i which- really want everyone to know nerd bomber's exact reaction on that one when it opened up and there was an adorable, cute lump. Yeah, the little Porg thing. I kept thinking of the Porgs from Star Wars. All she said was, I'm sold. <laughs> yeah, that was it. That was all she needed. And which, yeah, I, I, and I actually, I did have a conscious moment watching that where I was like, Nerd Bomber's going to love this one. But I, well, so let's, let's turn over to Ben to start. Ben, uh, you know, I mentioned just then most of the games or at least a huge portion that were showcased. What was the one, if you could pick one, that stuck out to you the most as this is a must buy or this is a particular surprise uh, that I wasn't necessarily expecting and I'm really, I'm really into? I would say Returnal is oh, one man. that I was most excited about. You and I both. And watched. Yeah. Yeah, and I, and I thought, that's what I thought immediately, was that it would kind of scratch that dead space itch that you've been trying to get to. But yeah, it, it looks really like a very interesting kind of sci-fi, thriller-horror kind of game. Yeah, well, and, and, they, and, and they showed us a lot here, right? They showed oh, us, yeah. you know, a lot of the core mechanics we hadn't yet seen. Visually, it looked stellar, very well polished. And then the thing that got me the most was this switch at the end from third to first person perspective wasn't expecting that at all yeah and was very very into this idea of okay yes it's primarily a shooter where you're on a different planet and you keep dying but we also have this sort of we're going to explore this character's memories in a in a way that a is scary and b characterizes her a little bit better so you care about her more and right that's yeah that that was returnal was the one i'm glad you brought it up because returnal was the one that i, I kind of glossed over a little bit in my initial volley talking about these games but i knew i was going to like that before and i know now you just cemented that that's going to be a take my money situation for me yeah and it's also similarly to to like dead space it's got that whole like how much of this is real how much of this is you know yes. generated yes. by whatever the the anomaly or thing is so it's it it looks like narratively it's going to be pretty amazing so i'm really excited about it yeah 
that that was definitely top build for me as well but uh, so, so nerd bomber tactic nerd bomber it sounds like you might say keen at bridge of spirits it w- was was your number one correct me if i'm if i'm wrong but tactic i want to let's take your temperature i mean you already but, uh, know mine i feel like it was sifu or sifu yeah the um, thing f- that was weird for me to watch it is i weirdly got nostalgic vibes from a game that had nothing to do with my childhood and i believe this is based on the animation styles that they used and it just it hit me right in that niche and i just i loved it for that and it also felt to have the same kind of if you die you get more experience and and and, and you age yeah That's and, I, and i and i basically I'm kind of a scaredy cat, and it seemed like it gave me that cool element with uh, less scary vibes, which was nice. Certainly. You know what? I have a question for for Tectic about the uh, Zifu trailer. How do you think it's going to handle, like, once you've aged significantly, right? I mean, how how do you think it's going to be handled once you die X number of times? Do you just die? I don't think think there's (laughs) pre-programmed you won't win this fight type things. I think it's going to be, if you die just because you stick at the game, it's just going to be standard respawn. But if you die at a certain point, that's how the story sort of progresses. You're going to age up. Yeah. What I I wonder is it could be an interesting thing too, where we've all, we've all aged. You lose capabilities physically. I don't know what you're talking about. I haven't aged a bit. I'm still a baby over here. I can just talk really well. (laughs) I also do wonder though, if, the dynamic isn't what I just explained. If it is, you age every time you die. If the age is sort of equivalent to lives in the game. So where, they don't affect you necessarily. They just are a kind of... Yeah, so like, let's say you sense. get five lives and, and life one is going to be age 20 to 30, 30 to 40, etc. And then once you get to a certain age, it's just you get punched in the face and then you turn into dust. <laughs> just Again, just like real life. I do. I love the idea of like this karate kid to Mr. Miyagi transition where presumably you learn new things about how to fight. But at the same time, I think it would be cool if you Mr. Miyagi was was good, but he couldn't fight. I don't know. Rocky. I'm, I'm trying to pull age. Oh, he would destroy Rocky. Come on. Well, it, Different age parallels. I kind of get what you're saying. Like it, you'll learn new skills, but your, I guess, general you're strength not, and stamina is going to go down right. as you age. So it'll be like a balance. See, act. but Sifu is not about strength. It's about balance. And you don't need to be this big brute to throw someone off and take well, them right. down. I, like, I didn't take karate when I was a kid, but like that is the general premise, is it not? Like you don't have to look like sylvester stallone or arnold schwarzenegger you can look like ralph macchio and kick the crap out of people and look ralph macchio is a good looking dude but you get my point another thing that i was thinking of with age it's there's a wisdom i mean i don't know this this goes into just kind of philosophy about things in general but if there's a trade-off between you know your senses are sharper your you know like like exactly. other other ways to use this kind of method of aging and how it's it's like like you guys said it's a balance and yeah. it's a trade off so I do it's wonder, like as you age i do wonder you if you'll get sort of, more counter moves and things like that as you do age up for that exact wisdom quote unquote reasoning right there's one thing that's interesting is that there's a lot of parallels between a lot of these games returnal death loop sifu where the primary mechanic seems to be you die but you learn things by dying and then you can apply those things right and i think with sifu the the clear description of that and the intent of it that the exact intent of it was a little bit less spelled out but i think the point that we've been discussing it for this long is is kind of proof that the concept itself is very good and very strong and i mean it has all of us interested you know that's the fun part about uncertainty and in, in when games are announced is you can imagine it to be the coolest thing ever then hopefully not get right. willfully disappointed right what are your thoughts on the fact that these are a lot of roguelikes or, or seem to be like, that you know that to me so that kind of turns me off a little bit and so i was actually really excited about returnal when i initially saw it and then the more that i found out about the game and how much of a roguelike it seems to be i always like the premise and the idea of roguelike games but then i get really really frustrated because i feel like i'll progress at like super far on a certain run and then i die and i have to start over and right. that irritates the living crap out of me <laughs> um like it's- and I've played roguelikes in every manner. It was one of the reasons I, like Outer Wilds, I've heard really great things about. And I played it for probably like an hour and got super frustrated and noped out, which I feel like I need to try that again. But even stuff like Neon Abyss, which I actually loved Neon Abyss and had a really good time. 
but I think I rage quit when I finally had a really good run and I was, I think I'd stayed alive for like five hours straight and then I died and it was just the prospect of starting over is super daunting to me. So did you enjoy Simba, the Lion King video game from back in the day? I mean... I did. I it, it's the tough tough with lives. Topic. Like it, it's one of those things. And part of the reason why I don't like I, I love the idea of going back and playing retro games. And then usually when I do, unless there's like save games and stuff like that, I just get so frustrated because I don't know how I used to do it when I was younger because all of the games used to have lives. Oh, man. But I, get, get, I get it's something I just don't too. have a lot of patience for. <laughs> Yeah. Do you think do you think the narrative could get you through that if the narrative is interesting enough or if the storyline kind of grabs you in such that's, a way that that would I hope that's so. the thing. I, yeah, I, I'm I'm glad you mentioned that because I think that's what like I'm back and forth on roguelikes myself. My main body of roguelike experience is with Everspace, which honestly was a mixed bag. I liked it uh, quite a bit when I started it and and I w- I would I would die and I would say okay, but I've gained resources I can upgrade my ship and try again, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera it got a little stale. And I think the reason for that is that the story in Everspace barely exists. It's not really a story. There's nothing chaining you to the game and keeping you invested after you've died a certain number of times. I think Returnal, I think the design of it, at least based on what they're showing us, is it's, yes, it's this roguelike thing, but along the way, I would think they're going to ensure through careful design that you can still get far enough to learn something about this character, to go inside the house that she grew up in and learn something about her that keeps you invested i do think story is critically important i think deathloop probably the same thing deathloop i think is going to be more of a dishonored situation where you have to learn how to do things in different ways to be the most effective you know there's there's all these decision points in dishonored right which are do you kill this person and you know the rest of the game is going to be harder as a result or do you do the extra work to non-lethally take this person out of the picture and do you you know deathloop has told us this and that they've been very heavy-handed with this mechanic relative to sifu in the sense that they're telling you explicitly you're going to die many times and it's going to teach you okay i can kill two people at once if i do things in a very specific way and that will give me more time to do more things because i believe in Deathloop, there's actually a running clock and that's what you're up against primarily the key saving grace in my opinion of, of both of these games is the fact that they're more of a puzzle than they are just you have to get from point a to point b and both oh, by the way, don't die. Right, right. Sifu, I'm not so sure, though. But Deathloop and Returnal, yes, I would agree. But that's, again, Sifu, we don't know too much about yet. And we'll be we'll be learning more. I, I want to talk a little bit about one of the games that doesn't fit into this model, which I was super into. And this again, this was one that when it first popped up, I was like, I don't care. And it made me care. Knockout City, I think, looks like the coolest thing. I don't know how you guys felt about it. Watch that whole trailer. I, it was one of those situations where I was like, how has this not been done yet? And it looks like, I, I think there's going to be some tweaking that needs to be done. Specifically, the specials look very overpowered. But I think the core mechanics and the idea of it are brilliant. But that's, I don't know how you guys felt about, about Knockout City. Ben, did, did you get a look at Knockout City or is that one that you... Yeah, it, it's one of those things I try it, but it doesn't. it didn't really grab me. In a way that was, yeah, it's kind of like I can I can understand the appeal of Rocket League, but it's not my thing. Yeah, you know, it's, it's it, this right. is definitely seems like one of those where it's like I can relate, but my dodgeball gaming experience is just arcade, <laughs> and that's well, a, th- that's where it's going to stay. And I think what would if something were to turn me off with that, I think it could be like a Rocket League or like you know all these things like Fortnite, everything. I'm not a big multiplayer guy to begin with. The last time I dabbled really hard in multiplayer was Destiny, which was ages ago. The competitive nature of it, like. Rocket League is super, super competitive. I could see this silly dodgeball. I mean, th- look look at Fall Guys, for example. Fall Guys is this really silly game, but it became this phenomenon, and then it became this really, really competitive thing, and that is a danger. But I think at face value, it looks like a very fun concept. I could see this game becoming very big in the esports realm. It's, it's yeah, totally. hugely team-based. It team has that based. simplicity. It's... There's not only you and your dodgeball, but there's also the option to use your own person as the ball itself if, if you don't have possession of the ball. So there's right. that collaboration. There's that competitive nature. I can see this as a very, very watchable esport. Now, that said, I don't have a lot of people that I can count on for this game. So yeah, like Snurbomber, I'm just going to avoid it because 
I don't want my I don't want to lose the little bit of friends that I have, I guess. The thing that'll be key with this game is kind of like you mentioned Fall Guys, and part of the reason why that took off is because it was offered for free with PS Plus as a launch title. I was going to say this. The, the, the barrier to entry, both in terms of cost and in terms of figuring out how the game works, in, in as much as you can have these additional folds of strategy, like using players as the ball, the barrier to entry in terms of both the mechanics and the price should be low. And I, I don't, it's not clear if that's actually going to be the case, but I think that's a critical. The key with the, a game like this being successful, especially when it's kind of being marketed as a more semi-casual experience, is ease of access, like you said, and the player base. And one of the other things yeah. that I was happy to see, so this is actually not the first time that they had a trailer. They actually showed it off a little bit during the Nintendo Direct last week. And then I know like the Xbox, inside Xbox or whatever, they had a, a short trailer for it and t- talked about it. And I think getting that visibility and making sure they have cross-platform play to make sure that, that player base is super high and then trying to just make it as easy to access and in the hands of as many people as possible will really help this game take off. Because then there's no risk just hopping in a game to try it out and then if you like it then you'll stick around but you didn't spend necessarily sixty dollars to play this game right so no no further questions i think i I think you're absolutely right about that we we're gonna have to move on to our next topic here but before we do we can do another kind of round the table situation what's a game we didn't talk about you were excited about or for that matter what's a game that wasn't showcased i mean i think people a lot of people were hoping for a god of war 2 update or they were hoping for horizon zero dawn forbidden west update uh, ratchet and clank update they didn't get it i think what they put together without those things was particularly cool but what's the game we didn't mention that you think looks good or what's what's the game you were hoping that they would and they didn't so ben we'll start with you well i had i had absolutely no expectations I wanted to see whatever was new. I wanted to see what right. what would potentially get me to buy a PlayStation Five, and I, I think that's what I got. I mean, that's you know, I, I didn't. I, I know about those games that I want. The ones that you listed are ones that I'm interested in, but I really wasn't disappointed that I didn't get to see them. In fact, I would rather see new games that i've never been exposed to so i you know yeah i couldn't agree more with that so my slightly contradictory opinion is that i was just hoping for more like there was something a little bit underwhelming and like every single trailer kind of wowed me but there was something a little bit underwhelming because we didn't see something new and i think that's more a knock on me because this happened during the nintendo direct as well i don't know why i expect like some big flashy new announcement or at least one of them and for the most part aside from sifu every single game we've at least heard about and seen a little bit of in the past sure Sure. So I was just hoping for like a little bit more. I, I can understand, though, like I know one of my internal disappointments, like you said, I wanted to see more about Horizon Zero Dawn and the God of War sequels. But I can understand why they're not showing us that yet, because they're not ready. I'm sure. Right. And we've seen in the past how studios get burned when they show off too much and then things change and things don't look as good or they don't play the same way and people hold them to those early trailers. So I get it. I guess I just expected some other big news, which I didn't get. But I also I already have the PlayStation 5 and I don't need you know what I mean? Like it's. I've, I see these trailers and talk about this game every time I turn on my console because it's the splash screen. Whereas if you're not one of those people already in the console system, a lot of this right. still is new news and exciting stuff. So that was my semi-contradictory opinion. And, and, and you, you brought up the Nintendo Direct and we're going to talk about Pokemon in a minute, which is obviously a cornerstone of, of that. But but these states of play and, and Nintendo Directs, it's really important to go into them with the right minds. And I, I'm, I'm super guilty of this as well. I went into the Nintendo Direct, which was, what, two weeks ago at this point, hoping beyond hope for a Metroid 4 announcement, of course, or a Metroid Prime Remaster announcement. I didn't get either of those things, obviously. And with state of play, I had no expectations, as, as Ben said. That's the way you want to go in. But it's hard, especially when these companies try to get you hyped up and try to draw you in thinking there's going to be a big announcement and then there's not. So I think I think there were a lot of people who were disappointed. But it sounds like Tactic, Ben and I were not were not those people, I, you know, for whatever reason. It's likely because like if there was an Uncharted 5, I'd be salivating. But the two, Horizon Zero Dawn and and god of war frankly i could i could give a damn and i know i just upset a lot of people saying that man you need to go back and play those games 
You have to, have to, have to. Uh, oh, look, I, I got a long enough backlog already. I'll, I'll get to it. Seriously, Horizon Zero Dawn, at least. That, at least. That was like one of my favorite games of the last generation. A hundred percent, hands down. I've heard tell. Yeah. yeah. So, well, actually, in, in, in my, what am I up to? I'm going to get to what I'm playing next. And I think, Ben, you'll be particularly interested. But, but uh, for now, let's move on to talking about uh, this Pokemon 25th anniversary celebration and the announcements therein. And, and th- this is where, to be perfectly honest, I take a, a complete backseat. Most people who listen to the podcast know I'm not a Pokemon person. I do know that Post Malone did a Hootie and the Blowfish cover, which like, what the hell? was that about we're not here to talk about that i guess <laughs> but that happened that's the thing that happened but we got an announcement of, a, of an open world pokemon game which i think I, to me that's the headliner here again as an outsider ben i actually don't know are, are you a pokemon guy relatively speaking uh, what's your experience with them very little i mean you know i've pokemon here and there but that's a little that's bit your... uh that's a little bit after my time yeah well you're, you're like me then too i mean it was it was right during my time. I just, I don't know. I missed, missed the boat, missed yeah. the zeitgeist. It's, but it's clearly in spite of the fact that you and I are off the boat, everyone on earth besides us basically is, is on the boat. And I know tactic and nerd bomber in particular are captains of the boat. Well, look, to, use, to take the boat uh, metaphor as far as I can. We're um, definitely you know human. <laughs> we're like, you know, oh. a cruise line, like they have like the, the VIP members, the VIP travelers. We are the cruise line, the Pokemon cruise line VIP travelers in this situation. We are always on board, ready for a Pokemon vacation. Good use of on board. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I need I need a palate cleanser. I just can't get that tactic comment on my head right now. <laughs> yeah. See, Nerd what Nerd Bummer does is she tries to just barrel right through it. <laughs> No, that's uh, great. That's a good, that's a good way to do it. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, exactly. it, it often works. Yeah, um, she does. But not all the time. Okay, tactic. Just So I'm just going to pivot. <laughs> what I'm going to tell you to do. Yeah. Well, you know what? Before, before you pivot, can I, can I say that I'm really excited about, I mean, let me just say limited experience with Pokemon as a franchise as far as the, you know, got to catch them all. But one game in the franchise that i really snap. enjoy a lot is snap yeah yeah snap is and that's great. i think it's kind of also uh stems from it's that kind of game anything having to do with like a camera dynamic in a game is really interesting to me like dead rising the original dead rising yeah. games yeah i remember dead rising you know i mean that was that was something that really like anything having to do with a camera used in a creative and interesting way like Sp- spider-man um, did that too that was cool yeah. mm-hmm. kingdom hearts 3 I, well i'm glad you brought up snap too because that's also i didn't realize how alike we were in this regard ben that's my touch point with pokemon too i played the crap out of snap it's easily the pokemon game i played the most because it's only tangentially about pokemon right you're not catching them all like you said you're just well you are you're catching them all with your camera sure but you're 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 a photographer and i guess to however old i was playing that guy that that was the coolest thing i got really into it i remember throwing apples at the pokemon formative experience for me i guess was was doing that and we, you know, we cer- we certainly already knew about that. We got some more footage of it here. We we did not know about, and I don't know how to pronounce this. Pokemon Legends is it Arceus? Arceus? Arceus. Arceus. Uh, this just shows how in the know that I am. Tactic, take it away. Please, no inappropriate comments. But what? Okay. I mean, this is a, so, this is a big deal, right? This oh yeah, is this is a huge deal. People have comparisons been asking, to Breath of the Wild. People so have been asking for this style of Pokemon gameplay forever. It's what we've been wanting. It has the animation style of Breath of the Wild, which I'm a fan of. And you get to explore open world, catch Pokemon. What more can we want? Thank you, Nintendo. You guys did a great job. Well, this is one of those things. So, like, they also announced that Diamond and Pearl are going to get a remake not done by Game Freak, done by uh, another studio. ILCA, I think. Thank you. <laughs> I'm not positive, but I think so. I, I have the article here. I can double I'm a little disappointed yeah, ILCA. about that one. Well, stuff like that, like that's obviously that's a remake, but like that's the the underlying cornerstone, the traditional Pokemon gameplay that we've always had. And when people, when the Switch was announced and Sword and Shield was first announced as the first Pokemon game other than like the Let's Go stuff to come to the Switch. People were kind of expecting that we would get more of an open world RPG, kind of like 
this new announcement. And I think there was a lot of blowback because people were like, well, why why did they stick to the same old formula? Why didn't they make this step forward? Why didn't they give us an experience like Zelda that is completely, you know, franchise changing and stands the franchise on its head and does something completely different and unexpected? And let me, let me can I clarify something really quick again as sure. an outsider? Take, for example, Pokemon Red and Blue. Mm-hmm by the customary definition are those not open world experiences technically they all are open world but right that's what it's I'm really you just kind of follow a path at the same time right you can you can go into bushes and catch up as many i, w- I wouldn't say it's open as you want. i'd say it, i'd say you have a set path that you follow yeah it's a very it remains linear it's a pretty saying. linear experience they guide you through a map and like yes you can go back and backtrack but it's kind of like in like crash bandicoot and like linear games from the 90s that aren't necessarily story driven but that just have levels like obviously pokemon had a story but it kind of guides you forward you can jump back if you want to but most people don't and and there's and it's also it's probably kind of similar to the metroidvania format right where the world itself is open but you're being guided by what you need to do still whereas open world is much it's it's open not just in the sense of the world i guess it's open in terms of you can do literally whatever you want. So you go figure it out. The thing that's most exciting to me is not only did they give us this open world thing, but they didn't just do a remake of a game to do it in. They gave us a whole new storyline dating back in time where apparently they were pretty old a long time ago, but they had the technology for Pokeballs. Fine, whatever. I'm going to move past that. But all in all, very, very cool. I'm excited for a new chapter. I'm excited for a new perspective, if I will. And I'm excited to rotate the camera constantly because that's what they were showing in this trailer. (laughs) So one of the things, obviously, this is like this is kind of like a prequel to the entire Pokemon world as we know it, because this is like pre-feudal Japan world and setting and everything like that. And it's before there were like gyms and set trainers and stuff like this. This is just like, hey, people lived and then they decided that they would start catching and taming Pokemon kind of deal. And is this is something like this enough to get you guys to dip your feet into the Pokemon franchise when you hadn't before? Obviously, with me and Tactic, we're already sold and we've been invested in the Pokemon franchise for 25 years. But for you guys, Ben and Illegal, does this pique your interest at all? Ben, after you. No. Fair okay, enough. My turn. Fair enough. My turn. No. <laughs> okay. I, all right. Well, ben, then. Ben, look, Ben and I are simpatico here. Okay. We both decided, look... It's not happening, and, and this looks look. This looks right. I'm, I don't. Oh, I'm yeah. not arguing that. Uh, yeah, I don't think Ben great. is either. Yeah, yeah. yeah. but not I don't. Our cup of tea. At the, yeah, at this point, I'm not sure. I mean, and first of all, on my end too, I haven't played Breath of the Wild, and I don't have much of an interest in playing Breath of the Wild, and that's a parallel being drawn here. I, I just I don't think it's as simple as like like Ben just said. It's not it's not our cup of tea, and I also like Pokemon at this point is this monolithic thing that it's it's almost i would say it's probably impossible for them to make enough of a, of a large change for me to become interested uh, snap is probably the closest they've come i will i will say snap is the one that maybe has my interest the most i still don't i don't plan on buying it i will and say look, that's harsh but it's 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 how i feel so they did show obviously even though the user interface changed in the trailer that they showed us there's still it looks like a lot of turn-based play here and if that's not your cup of tea and like going around and having to collect a bunch of pokemon and raise them if that yep. general yep. cornerstone of gaming is not your cup of tea no amount of open world rpg elements is going to change your mind and get you interested in a pokemon game exactly which is fair the core mechanic is not going to change and and look i'll you know i'll i'll pull the curtain back a little bit further when i was y- younger like right i probably right before pokemon happened i had a little thing called a tamagotchi everyone knows about tamagotchis they brought everyone had back. one they brought them back they were a big deal i killed tamagotchis what chance did i ever have to functionally raise not just one but like a fleet Sick. of of pokemon well, to there be was fair, never any hope. you don't have to like feed and water your Pokemon in the game. No, you can like no, put Game I, Boy down you, for days. And sure, but you can still kill them. As long as there's a way to kill them, I'm sure I would figure By the way, out. that's how you take care of things. You feed and water them. Right. You don't give them I mean, water. I, I'm, I'm sure Ben <laughs> feeds and waters Mango. Yeah, I water the cats all the yeah. time. Pours water so, on top of their heads. I don't want to sound like a super positive, optimistic guy. I want to I get my 
my licks in for throwing shade. The thing that I was disappointed about was the announcement of the remake of Diamond and Pearl. Nerd Bomber and I had talked about this already, and if you're gonna remake a game, why remake Diamond and Pearl? The best one in the entire franchise was Gold and Silver. You remake those boys. Is that period. a is that a a decided point like everyone agrees not it's kind of contentious i feel like a lot of thought red and blue well a lot of so diamond and pearl is actually largely considered to be the best but in this household we are gold and silver people so yeah we we've been eagerly awaiting at this point i feel like every entry of pokemon has been remade at this point except i guess gold and silver got heart gold and soul silver but like have red and blue been i guess was that ruby and and Sapphire, they should do Blue what games? they did with Super Mario for the Switch, where you can buy a oh. game with all of them jam packed in one, and you could just play through them all. That's a great idea, honestly. Thanks. Um, yeah, you're welcome. We're gonna move to the break now. In as much as I'm, I'm sure two of us could talk about Pokemon all day, we're gonna move to the break. But before we do, of course, we want to thank uh, this time in person our Patreon producer Ben for helping us produce this show and also for guesting on the show. It's a pleasure to have you here, Ben. It's a pleasure to have Mango as well, our our additional co-host somewhere in the background, taking a taking a smoke break, I suppose. He's napping now, finally. Sleeping on the job. How, how yep. dare he? So Ben supports us at the night level on the show, and as a result, he of course gets the, this guest spot on on occasion and. Also, he gets input into our weekly game segment and access to the monthly secret segment and vlog. And we also have, by the way, we have two Patreon producers. Stephen Keller, who is not currently with us, also a producer, also gets all of those same benefits. And of course, we thank him as well. We also have a Squire level of support, which gets the Squires access to the monthly secret segment and vlog. And of course, the lowly page gets you access to the monthly secret segment. So if you're interested in giving back to the show, if you've been listening for a while, or if this is your first episode and you want to give back, help us get this show off the ground, then you can head over to patreon.com slash online warriors podcast, get more of the details there. We want to thank Ben again. We want to thank Steven again. And we want to thank any potential future subscribers in advance and uh we're going to take a short break now to shout out a sponsor we'll be right back to talk a little bit about bioware today's podcast is presented by podgo podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space so you always know how much you get when you include an ad from podgo apply today to become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience that's podgo.co that's p-o-d-g-o.co and be sure to add our podcast in the how did you hear about podgo section of the application thanks again for listening and now let's get on with the main episode So the last topic on the docket today is, generally speaking, Bioware, but this this news specifically concerns a few of their franchises. I think the top level, at the top level, it's about Dragon Age. They're essentially funneling Dragon Age 4 into a single player only experience. They're removing the multiplayer component. And that sounds to be particularly influenced by a couple of things. One... Uh, they've essentially announced that Anthem, they'll be dropping support for it. They're, they're considering it a failure. And also, the, the success of Jedi Fallen Order needs to be considered in, in their plans. So context for me, but before I turn it over, I think Ben in particular has some things to say about this. Part of my What Are You Up To Wednesday is that Jedi Fallen Order is actually, I, I got it off Facebook Marketplace, and it's downloading for me right now. As we as we live and breathe right here as we record this, it's currently downloading on my PS4. I can see the download bar. So I'll be playing that. I'll be giving more of an update on that in the next episode. But I'm very excited for that, especially, Ben, last time you were on the show, I think it was either last time or two times ago, you gave pretty high praise to, to Fallen Order. Yeah, I think it was maybe even three three episodes ago. But yeah, it was, right, yeah. It was really... It was, it's a... Um... It was a lot better than I thought it would be. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed my time with it, and it was... Uh, a fun story and there's a an interesting story element that comes in at the end that's you know that that's right. really kind of exciting it was like it was it was a, a very surprising and fun game for me which which so. yeah I, and I think that's again at least reportedly that's the reason that bioware and, and ea are dropping dragon age to single player only given that that was such a big success so uh, ben i do want to turn it over to you first of all are you a dragon age 
this doesn't impact me. I've never played a Dragon Age game. I am a, I'm certainly, in terms of multiplayer versus single player, I always lean more single player. I like the idea, generally, of a company like Bioware and EA putting more resources into a great single player experience, perhaps while sacrificing a multiplayer experience. But I don't know. It, it sounds like uh, you liked Anthem a lot. I don't know what your Dragon Age experience is like, but just... Tell us how you're feeling, I guess, about this decision. I agree. I, I agree with it from a game development standpoint. I've never been a fan of these multiplayer components that are obviously that seem to be money grab kind of things where you've got to buy stuff and buy card packs or buy things that, you know, that basically it's just basically a money you know, a money-making tool. That's what it feel, a lot of these things feel like to me, at least the more recent ones. Right. And even uh, the ones in Mass Effect, although they were fun, it was, you know, there were, uh, I think, I want to say it was two, I'm not sure if it was two or three, but there was a multiplayer component that was kind of, it was fun, but it's still, there was something where you bought cards and you got powers and and things like that that were kind of, you know, it was definitely a money-making sort of thing. So I think that is a strategy going away for Bioware or maybe to some extent EA as a whole by by mentioning the fact that Jedi Fallen Order was a single player success. And then if you look at a lot of the a lot of the really popular games from the PlayStation 4 in this generation, they're all single player type of games and and it's you know it it makes sense strategy-wise. Right. Um so as far as Dragon Age as a franchise, I started playing it when it first came out and it just never really connected with me as a, as you know, as a story. I just never got into it, but I, I understand that that is, I'm more into the sci-fi realm when it comes to like the stories and things that I like to play. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, it never really connected with me, but I understand that Dragon Age fans are excited about this i'm just a little sad to see anthem which seemed to be a really interesting concept just being it seems like it's being scrapped entirely for something that you know that's been proven to make them money and and, and i don't know how much of that is true but it's like i would rather them maybe work on a anthem single player experience because the you know, because the flying those, you know, the flying around and all the, the game mechanics were super solid. It was just the multiplayer thing and the and cataclysm stuff that they were that they had promised early on that didn't come until far later in the game. Right. Until it was too that, late. Those were kind probably. of the blemishes. Yeah, those were kind of the blemishes, which made a lot of drove a lot of people away from it but as far as the the storyline was interesting and the characters were interesting and i would much rather them focus some energy on something that's new and fresh but you know it's their decision to make and they think that at this time everyone wants mass effect and dragon age so i can't fault them for that but well i i I hope they don't just scrap it entirely and just don't do anything with the franchise anymore because i think there's a lot of uh, interesting stuff there to explore. So I think maybe once the quote-unquote bad taste in people's mouths, because like you said, it wasn't a, a terrible game. I didn't get a chance to play it, but I know that they did a lot of things post-launch to make quality of life for people better, and they basically fixed a lot of the mistakes that that game initially launched with. And I wonder if once some time has passed and people forget about the rough launch, maybe they'll revisit the franchise and add that single player element. Because I mean, we saw that with Titanfall, where the original Titanfall entry was all multiplayer. And then with the second entry, granted, it still didn't sell as well because of, I think, release timing issues and stuff like that. Um, But I mean, that was one of the most lauded single player games like that a single player element to Titanfall 2 was pretty well received and considered a really good addition to the Titanfall franchise and then obviously nothing has become of Titanfall since then but maybe but i mean even even to the extent that Apex Legends is is isn't that that takes place in that universe right mm-hmm. so and, and so people were asking well when are these two things going to be tied together and i think that speaks volumes about the franchise the love of the franchise in general of Titanfall is people are people are asking for those two things to be connected somehow, and that's kind of cool too. So that's 
yeah, I heard the same thing about Titanfall 2 is that the, the single player was amazing. So maybe somewhere down the road, we might see Anthem get revived in a more single player centric story. I don't have anything against games as a service. I think that they're very difficult to pull off because I think if the market is oversaturated with them, you start to split up your player base a little bit. And for a while, we were seeing games as a service one after another after another. And there's simply just not enough people playing those games and willing to do the grind long term to sustain that many. So I think Anthem was just a a lot of bad things kind of falling into place at the same time. But I don't think the story and the world was necessarily as bad as a lot of people would have you think, like you said. Yeah. yeah for for me, this is kind of a disappointment because I've been, I mean, I'm, I'm, I follow the, the Anthem subreddit and I've been watching and wanting to play this game. Because I remember the, you talking about this game whenever it was but, announced. I remember this was your yeah, big thing. I'm just, I've been perpetually nervous about the whole console bricking thing. And I think they've since fixed that, but... But it, yeah, right. But until I guess, well, and that's the thing too. They went back that whole console breaking thing. They found no evidence to support that at all. Oh yeah, I know. That's why I. That's why I'm on the subreddit. And it's just right. It's always been that bad taste that just kind of shied me away. And the really the only reason that I've just not bit the bullet and played the game because the mechanics are. I mean, you guys know me. I I love anything remotely resembling Iron Man. And right. the, oh, yeah. the mechanics the flight are, got you. Yeah, that to a T. And so ever since then, that, that taste kind of just did me in. And I want to see something new come out so this way I can get over that initial hump. But I'm also not sad that they're putting all their eggs in to help Mass Effect yeah, to as, come out sooner. Yeah, as a Mass Effect fan, I'm selfishly very excited about I was gonna say, more I, resources. <laughs> I, I wanted to ask Nerd Bomber specifically about, you know, I, I assume she feels good about this just because it means Mass Effect has... And gra- granted, Mass Effect doesn't exactly need a chance. It's going to succeed, I think, no matter what. But this has to be news, music to And not, not only just for the story, Mass Effect had, in my opinion, a great formula in Mass Effect 3 for online multiplayer. It was these really a team based thing where you had to have all these different classes and make it work out and you took on wave after wave after wave and it frankly it was addicting and done fantastically and if they could only improve upon that they've i mean the sauce is there you just got to stir it up and ready to serve (laughs) that's that's good stuff technic uh but that's the question it's like are they going to do this right especially with this announcement are they scrapping the multiplayer components for things everything. like right. like Mass Effect going forward, ben, right? The sauce is that, is there. Well, I mean, <laughs> right, the sauce is there, but that doesn't mean you that doesn't mean you just throw everything in there. They might and choose use, you, not to stir it. Yeah, yeah they might not. Yeah. They might not add the Parmesan and and all the good stuff. Well, like one of the things that I always come back to, and there was a big thing in the the 360 and PS3 days, is that games that were primarily single player campaigns they had attacked on multiplayer and with mass effect 3 like i didn't play the multiplayer until tactic was like hey this is actually really good you should probably try it because i thought it was another one of those tacked on things but i mean it, it's it's a it's one of those things where like doom the multiplayer idea was good but there's just not enough people sustaining it so i don't know like i just want more people on the single player side of by or mass effect so that i get the great game that i want I mean, I'm on the same side. So, yeah, Grant, I've never played Mass Effect. You tried to get me to once, but let's not open you up that You will soon. One. Right. Uh, well, we'll see. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I probably will. I've got one more quick thing to to bring up about this is there there are some really interesting, the flying components and things from Anthem that were really the fun parts of the game to play could potentially be repurposed to go into something like a Mass Effect or even Dragon Age. Dragon Age, would you maybe. guys be interested? Mass Effect, I doubt. Well, you don't think that? Well, I mean, like flying, flying Iron Man robot suits. Future installments, I mean, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, I'm I'm thinking for the the new the new game that was announced, not the not the re uh, the rehash. I, but I mean, it, yeah. it's I, I'm I'm curious to know if you think that that would be a good like. Would you be interested in? more flying type of combat and stuff like that in a game that is like, you know, Dragon Age or like Mass Effect. I think we know Tactics' answer, but the Nerd Bomber, the Mass Effect purist, I think, needs to weigh in here in particular. Yeah. I mean, I don't think it would be terrible. I think you just have to balance it well. 
it's one of those things where it could convolute combat, but again, it's like one of those futuristic sci-fi things where I think anything is possible. And if they do it well and they fit it right, and it's not, it doesn't feel like something that, hey, we developed this for Anthem, let's just toss it in there and make it work. As long as they make it feel organic, then I'm okay with it. Yeah, I'm just worried that they're going to stagnate on like working with exactly what has been working with them in the uh, you know in the past <laughs> which seems like a, a weird thing to, to ask for I, I want new i want exciting i don't want the same experience in in hd you know what i mean i want something that's right. a little more compelling and, and interesting and iterates rather than just works with a a formula that seems to be the the one that's worked for them the entire time and that's why i liked what they were doing with Anthem was they were they were trying something new, which they hadn't done before. And just as long as they learn from it, you know, that's that's I guess that's the important part. I'm just it's just sad to see the the IP possibly die. Well, so. I, and I think you said it right there, which is you know, in talking before about what the issues were, they were release issues. They were te- primarily probably non technical issues that, like you said, hopefully they learned something from that, but. Time will tell, but but th- these are Bioware's plans. Dragon Age fans, chime off. Uh, we have, we haven't shouted out the Twitter sphere yet. Ch- chime off in the Twitter sphere. At OW the lady six. At online warriors one. At OW nerd bomber. At OW tactic. Let us know how you feel about this development in terms of how Bioware and EA are doing things. Mass Effect fans potentially rejoice. Anthem fans, RIP. Let us know where you stand in that hierarchy. We're gonna move now to a quick. What are you up to Wednesday? And of course, we'll start with our with our guest here, Ben. What's been on on the personal docket of late? Oh boy! Well, I've, I was I was a little bit late to the show today because because I needed some sleep after um, spending my time with the Outriders demo. Outriders is a game from a company called People Can Fly, who have been most notably responsible for the Painkiller franchise early on the PC, and then also Bulletstorm, which was another. Uh, one of their breakout games. They're just, you know, first person, third person shooters. They're just masters at it. And this, uh, this is no different. It, uh, the demo basically has a level cap that, uh, you've got four different classes that you can play around with. You can play through the prologue and see how the different classes work. And then, uh, when the game comes out in, I believe it's April 1st, that is when you can transfer your progress from the demo over to the new version and if you unlock everything in the demo you can get some special unlock stuff so it's kind of uh i'm having a lot of fun with it it's great it's it's an interesting story so far and i'm really excited about it it wasn't really on my radar either it was just kind of like i saw that it was available and i heard a couple people say good things about it and i tried it out and so far so good it's really a good third person shooter very much in the in the style of your um, Cures of War kind of feeling. It's really cool. Would you say that there's enough content to uh, solo play it if you wanted to? Or do you feel like co-op is an important element? Boy, it's, you know what? It's billed as a three-player cooperative game. And that's what it, the description says. I enjoy, even in those types of games, playing it myself. I'm having a, it's, it is challenging solo. But you can select your world tier level if you're having trouble with higher level enemies. Like as you progress in the game, and this is really early on, you've got a a thing that basically tracks your character's progression and their levels. But then also you have a world tier, which will allow you to, if you use the most challenging world tier level uh, when you're playing, you can get better drops. But if you're having trouble with that, you can bump it down a bit. So it's got some flexibility as far as being able to solo it. Um, I haven't had any troubles with it so far, but there is an option to to change the skill level if you do have problems with it. So I think it's it's worth checking out as a as a single player. But I think it is it's designed for cooperative play. Gotcha. But it's cool just to toy around with the different with the different classes and how they work too, because it's like. The one I'm playing with, uh, I forget what it's called, but it's basically um, Earth, control Earth things. So it's like an earthquake type stuff. And, you know, like 
you know, uh, earth armor and things like that. So it's really kind of a, it's a fun game. That's good to hear. Cause like you said, I had heard a lot of good things about it, but good to hear that. Yeah. Cause I feel like we have similar game tastes. So I'm gonna have to check this out. Yeah. Check it out. Check it out. Let me know what you think. Right on. Uh, next up, Tectic, you've been quiet. What do you, what do you have? So this is more of a, what I will be up to Wednesday. And so last night I installed Iron Man VR onto my PlayStation and Due to the sad news of Anthem, I will be diving into this, and I will let you guys know next week how it goes. That's it. Okay. Well, <laughs> duly noted. I, I did play the demo for the Iron Man VR. I really liked it. Uh, I haven't yet bought the full game, but I, I, will be, I will be checking back in on that because I'm legitimately curious uh, what your thoughts are on it. Especially given you said the, you played the you played the demo. I did play the demo. Thumbs up or yeah, yeah. Th- definitely thumbs up to the demo. They did. It's you know. Obviously, it's they have to cut certain corners to get the flying around to feel as good as they can, and it's, you know you're kind of just standing there. Of course, you're not moving around. It's you, it takes getting used to, like any VR game would. But uh, overall, I thought it was very good. And Marvel is also a tricky IP because I, of course, wanted to hear Robert Downey Jr. and I didn't. Uh, and that's that's the same problem I had with Square Enix's Avengers, but you know, obviously that's not really possible. So you have to. I want to hear Tactic Downey Jr. So that's fine by me. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, uh, you, you you have to kind of lower your expectations a little bit, but with that in mind, it certainly fit the bill, and it's certainly very good. Um, and and we'll hear more from Tactic, I guess, on on how the full game is. Yeah, I'm excited to hear that. So okay, that's that's seems like that's it from from Tactic. I will go next. I will give a very brief recommendation so first of all I, we can't get into wandavision we don't have time i've been watching wandavision it's fantastic uh, i just watched episode eight yesterday Ch- check in on that as, as soon as you can Stay for the credits stay for the credits a lot of a lot of big things happen i also last night uh watched a movie that i want to shout out called judas and the black messiah which if you have hbo max it's an hbo max exclusive right now it's also in theaters but we all know what the deal is with that very very obviously not an upper as far as movies go it's about the assassination of fred hampton but it's very very well done lakeith stanfield daniel kaluuya both knock it out of the park acting wise overall very high production value i'm sure it'll be nominated for at least one oscar probably many definitely would recommend checking that out and then i also mentioned kind of in the same vein as tactic i'm going to be starting fallen order up here pretty soon so be on the lookout for some updates from me on that but for right now, that's it for me. So so we'll swing it over to Nerd Bomber to close things out here on the on the personal updates. All right. So the biggest thing is that we watched The Little Things on HBO Max. And I think, I believe, Illegal, you said that you watched this. I did, yeah. What and did you think? So I don't know if it was... I don't know how I feel about it. Like, I thought it was actually pretty entertaining and pretty good. I think they're the worst detectives ever. They didn't solve anything. <laughs> it could have it could have, it could have been no, so much better. That's I don't want to spoil it. But yeah, like you said, it could have been better. That's That was my it only was thing. Yeah. I thought it was a very fine movie. I don't know if I would have paid to see it in theaters. I would not have subscribed to HBO Max specifically to watch this movie. But it kept me hooked and entertained and I wanted to see what happened as the movie progressed. It was like a very serial killery detective story. For those of you who don't know, it has Denzel Washington, Rami Malek, that's basically oh um Jared Leto. Je- Jared where's Leto. That, where's yes. that serial killer <laughs> outfit like it's a second skin. So um, I, I mean I thought it was good. I I don't want to give anything away. I was a little underwhelmed at the ending. But that's my personal taste in movies yeah. as to why I was underwhelmed at the ending. Um, but I thought it was a, a pretty entertaining movie. And we we haven't seen, like, it was a period piece. It was like the 90s. And I feel like having yeah. serial killer detective movies, period pieces, hasn't been in vogue lately. So at least it was like a good change up from your typical superhero stuff. Or I don't even know what's been releasing. Just generic action movie. So I liked it. I thought so- it was good. So, so so if you're looking for a crime thriller, you can do better. It's it's the main thing I would yeah. say. Zodiac, for example, period piece detective thriller that is granted based on true events, whereas Little Things is not, but far better. Like head and shoulders cut above. Um, I actually did not mind the ending of Little. It was one of the things I actually liked about it was it had th- without getting into spoiler territory. It had this mix of closure and not closure that I thought was very effective, but overwhelmingly just watching the movie especially considering the strength of the performances which i thought were overall very good it just it could have been so much better than it was and i will say there was some wasted time 
too. Like, yeah, there was yeah. a car so driving sure. scene that took what felt like 10 minutes, which yeah. felt a little unnecessary. But hey, it was well, it was supposed to be suspense building, but they didn't really pull that off very well. <laughs> I, 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 and I think to, to put a cap on it and to say, you know, you said that you wouldn't have seen it in theaters. They fully had me bought in. I 100% would have bought a ticket and seen it in theaters. Uh, so I'm, you know, I'm better off because I was able to watch it on HBO Max. And that was better for a number of reasons. But I would have gone, I would have paid full price ticket, gone and seen it in theaters and probably been much more disappointed in that case than I was in this case. Well, like you said, if you're big into like crime thrillers, you don't have a lot of stuff coming out lately. Like there's really, there's not a ton. You maybe get one or two a year. So if this is what you're into, like do it. You know what I mean? I I think it's a worthwhile watch. Yeah. And like I said, the performances were the main thing I think that were particularly good about it. Cool. Good talk. Some movie recommendations there. Uh, we're going to hear from Tectic about Iron Man. We're going to hear from me about Fallen Order. So let's get into... I think Tectic is on the hook based on last week's results for yes, a little bit of a quiz. And if I remember correctly, this is about chess. And I feel particularly at an advantage here because after recently watching The Queen's Gambit, I've started playing chess a lot on my phone. And I'm sure that's going to pertain directly to what this quiz is. <laughs> so... <laughs> Let's get into it. What do you say? All right, we'll roll right into it. So the topic is chess trivia, like was mentioned. And the first question is, when was the first AI chess ever made? And this is Price is Right style, correct? Price is Right style. And and we'll, we'll, give, we'll give Ben last ups as the guest. Bit of an advantage technically, but look, he's the guest. We'll do a round robin on who goes first each time. Sure. I will go first. Uh, the first chess AI was invented coincidentally with the first computer i'm gonna say like it was like probably the first thing they did so i'm gonna say 1968 that is my official answer 1968 i'm going to say 1980 okay and i'm i'm thinking i'm thinking early 70s is what i'm thinking so don't don't take this as me doing the one the plus one for for you illegal but i'm thinking uh, i'm just gonna say 1970 hey that's plus two None of you guys have no idea. None of you guys have any idea when the first computer was made. So the the first program was made 1951. It was developed at the University of Manchester. Y'all busted. Okay, so no points. Dang it. Well, I was closest, but yeah, no points. Uh, The next question is, Emmanuel Lasker was the longest reigning world chess champion. How long did he reign? And we'll do Nerd Bomber first on this one, I think. I feel like they sit for a while like i feel like once you get a master they retain their position for i don't know i'm gonna say 20 years is my guess not he became a master i'm saying as the world chess world champion, champion. Right. that's what i meant 20 years i'm gonna i'm gonna stick to it okay and ben you're up next i think 20 years um you know what i don't know if it's more or less i'm thinking maybe i'm gonna say 10 years okay I feel I feel very differently about this. I'm saying one year. I it's not long. It's certainly not twenty. Ben might have it, but it's certainly not twenty. I'm gonna say one. So Nerd Bomber gets it. What? It was. Yes, you're absolutely right. It is very very rare to for someone to reign for even close to that long t- long of time. And actually, some people speculate that it doesn't really Cheated. count because his reign was during World War One. And it went from 1894 to 1921, and there was no championships going on at that time. So we kind of got buffer years for not free. Oh, so it was 25 years. years. 27 years. I'm good at math. Uh, So that's one for Nerd Bomber. Another question with regards to champions Sergei Karjikin. (laughs) Yeah, pretty close. Was the (laughs) youngest player to become a grandmaster. How old was he? And Ben is first on this on this one. I should know this. This is actually more recent news, by the way. Are you a chess a chess buff? Uh, I am not, but my brother is. I see. And my brother is a big chess guy, <laughs> so um, he talks to me about it all the time. I should know this though. Hint for everyone: um, this is in the two thousands time frame. Two thousand. Yeah, I want to say ten. Ten years old. Five. He's absolutely younger. He's this kid was barely out of diapers. Five. I'm gonna say six. Oh come! There's not a big window, but I feel like he's younger than ten, but more than five. So, so. Ben gets this. He's twelve years old. Uh, what I, I come on, what a rookie! Um, I could do better. 
You guys are crazy if you think a five-year-old is going to become a grandmaster. But hey. When did Mozart play the piano? I thought it was right. young. Don't you ever watch like Young Sheldon? These people are out there, man. Yeah, but a young person can do something of like is one thing, but to be able to be substantially better than other people who have years and years of experience, the time is just not there. Anyways. Fair enough, I suppose. So we're at we're at one to one to zero? Am I right? Jerry, we just no probably two points. Okay. No, Which, it's one okay. to one to zero. Yeah, I'm, I'm in this. In chess, the fewest possible moves for a player can be achieved by black on what's called a fool's mate. How many moves does it require per side to have a fool's mate? I actually think I might know this. Two, I think. Um, I'm going to say six. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I don't think it's I don't think it's two. Another question my brother's probably told me about a million times and I forget. Um, I'm going to say seven. Illegal, nail, head, smash. Yeah. It was two. Two. Yeah. White this moves done to me, both by of the its way. pawns forward. That's how I know. Black moves one pawn far forward to allow the queen, queen to move. And then the king can't go anywhere. Kerpow. Yeah. And by the way, you a fool if you let this happen to you. I've had it done to me. That's how I knew. So, so we've got ones across the board. Learn from experience. When was the World Chess Foundation officially founded? I feel like mm, it has to be around for a while, right? I'm going to say, I don't know, probably, obviously the world champions, you kind of gave it away because it's the world wars. Uh, I'm going to say 1890. Is it my turn next? Yep. Yep. Okay. I think it's earlier than that. I think it's um, 1840. Yeah, I'm going even earlier. Guys, chess was invented in like the 1500s or something. 1700. So just because it was invented and it was played and that there were world championships does not mean that there was a federation. Oh, God. The federation was officially founded in 1924 after World War I. Don't you guys think I would ask questions that don't seem so gimme? Come on now. <laughs> okay, so Nerbomber gets the point then? Yep. And we got we got one more question to either make it a two-way tie or just have her run away with the victory. Okay, let's do it. This is an easy one. How many we'll categories see. of pieces are on a board? What do you mean by category? Don't don't specify. If she doesn't know, she doesn't know. This is the easiest question on earth. Like are you talking like the different types of pieces? If you don't know, you don't know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so who's going first? Uh, you're up first, Ben. Six. Yeah, unfortunately, Ben's exactly right. I'll just say seven, but Ben got it right. Why? I mean, we've played chess before. <laughs> uh, Nerd Bomber, make your you, meaningless guess. Ben, ben got it right. Yeah, five, I guess, just to say that I said it. Why wouldn't you guys all guess six? What do you mean? I mean, that feels disingenuous. The answer is six. You all knew it. It's trivia. It's, you have easy questions. You have hard questions. Why wouldn't you guess the answer if you knew the right answer? I don't Look, know I w- if I thought I, you... they're being nice yeah, to me. I would prefer, they're being nice. I would prefer to fall on my sword and watch a, watch a two-way battle for supremacy. So w- w- Let's have a tiebreaker question. I'll sit this one out. I will say that was that was a big gimme there tactic. I wanted to see but if you guys I, were paying attention. I got to be honest. When you said categories, I was like, this can't be this you easy, right? You have to right? understand. There are people <laughs> listening who want to feel smart and get a couple questions right every now and then. All right. All right. That's fair. It's a gimme for our listeners. Well, okay. let's, let's have a tiebreaker to, to determine final supremacy here. To achieve a scholar's mate, how many moves might be needed? Might be. Like also, like the minimum. You can, you can achieve it with more moves. I see. Uh, Nerd Bomber is first on this one. Uh, I'm gonna hazard a guess and say four. I don't know. I feel like, was that something in Queen's Gambit? I feel like. Yeah, they talked about it in Queen's Gambit. That's why I know this. I was like, I feel like I shouldn't know this, but I feel like I kind of know this. (laughs) My guy, Mr. Scheibel, talked about it. I didn't see Queen's Gambit and I feel bad about it, but I think it's definitely more than four, but that's just a guess. So I'm going to say five. So with that, Nerd Bomber takes it. It was actually was exactly say, four. I, I th- Queen's I like Gambit four was for right. the win. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, congrats to Nerd Bomber taking our, our guest and just body slamming him. That's... Uh, Sorry, Ben. It's very... Sh- That's okay. Very, That's no problem. Very chivalrous. I'm just going to... I'm just I'm just going to hear it from my brother. You know, it's, a, it's not going to live it down for weeks and weeks, but that's okay. No big <laughs> deal. Uh, I hope brother, you all learned something, though. But, uh, well, I learned every... I learned a lot, except for... I, I knew two answers exactly. But like you said, for the listeners, sorry to Ben's brother. Thank you to Ben. Congratulations to Nerd Bomber. 
on her victory she will host next week thank you ben for being here we really appreciate yeah. you coming on continue to wish you all the best and yeah and i appreciate you guys for having me it's it's always fun every time i come on the show so thank you so much well that brings us to the close so we want to thank everyone else for listening uh come back next week leave us a review on apple podcasts and uh good looking out stay healthy stay safe and we'll talk at y'all next week hey everyone you're invited to harpy Harpy hour I'm Tracy. I'm Liz. I'm Steph. We are the Harpies. And Harpy Hour is our new podcast featuring ridiculous stories in history, science, and entertainment. Were you ever suspicious that pigeons were secretly spying on you? How do you know who to eat first if you survive a shipwreck? Do problematic musicals send you into an uncontrollable rage? If so, then Harpy Hour might be your new favorite podcast. That's H-A-R-P-Y for Harpy, and new episodes air every Tuesday wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also find us on all social media at Harpy Hour Pod. And check us out on harpyhourpodcast.com. Okay, bye!